boys and girls, children of all ages. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm going to show the whole world why I was the unscripted, uncensored, loose cannon of commentary. I'm back, baby. Broadcasting from Manchester in the United Kingdom, this is the Aaron Meta Show. First of June 2015, you're listening to the Aaron Meta show here on mixcloud.com forward slash Aaron Meta, also on the RSS feeds uh, through the podcast distributors, through iTunes, through Stitcher, through Player FM, all that good stuff. And with me also, as always, is Harry. Hello, happy to be here again. Yeah, very good. And uh, yeah, it's uh, been uh, been an eventful week, you reckon? It's, yeah, I'd certainly say so. Um, having a look at the run sheet today, there's some great topics that we're going to touch on. So, uh, yeah, excited. Yeah, I know uh, you'll notice one of them, uh, like we, we, what we were discussing last week, uh, I think as you'll know, where uh, the Jurassic Park uh, high score theme from the Super Nintendo game is uh, playing in the background. And some people are asking, does that mean we're going to talk about Jurassic World this week? <laughs> Unfortunately, I've not seen it yet. No. So, and uh, I'm going to have to put that on the back burner for now. I mean, I, I, for those of you who don't know, we're two weeks ago. I started a new job, and I wanted to concentrate on that. Unfortunately, priorities, and uh, I've had to uh, put one thing to one side and uh, and stuff. So uh, maybe if I'm going to try and see if I can see it midweek this week. I'm even thinking of possibly even might be seeing it uh, maybe on Tuesday, possibly. So if I get that opportunity to do that, then that's what we'll do. But uh, for the meantime, unfortunately, we're going to have to be Jurassic Parkless. Especially after I saw this really cool fan art uh, from a girl called Sharon. Uh, she has put in uh, a she's put in basically a Velociraptor with uh, Helga Pataki and a and a friend Phoebe riding on the back of it. Oh, awesome! I, I, I'm going to ask her. I mean, it'll be too late to ask her now, but uh, I'm going to see if we can. Uh, Maybe for the like the Jurassic Park review, maybe we'll put that as like the uh, the title image of next week's show. That is, if I've seen Jurassic Park by then. So yeah. I'm going to ask if we can use that. So because uh, I'm polite and don't just steal fan art like some people do. Absolutely. So uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, it's. Um, I mean, let's start off with our main thing uh, that obviously was going on yesterday. And I now this might surprise quite a few people, but. I actually not got into this topic as much as people would like to. So, yes, I was aware there was an anti-austerity protest up and down this country all yesterday, and that it uh, sparked up to a quarter of a million people. And uh, But this... Uh, yes, there was Owen Jones that was there. Yes, Jeremy Corbyn, who is uh, wanting to go for the leadership of the Labour Party, which, to be honest with you, might not be too realistic. Then you have Russell Brand, who is now starting to turn into Marmite, in this anti-austerity movement. And then you had Charlotte Church, who uh, said was very happy to pay 70% of, uh, of taxes uh, for her income, but then decided to backtrack on that when she realized what the numbers would mean. And, uh, you know, and don't get me wrong, you know, I'm, I'm going for, like, all the negative stuff first, because I want to try and get to the good stuff, which is that, you know, a lot of people do care about this issue. And uh, I don't know about you, Harry. I mean, I saw you uh, resharing some of the videos that were coming out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, personally... Um 
I mean, if I could have been down uh, in London to have gone on the march with them, then I certainly would have done. But yesterday, unfortunately, I was working. Um, but I was keeping uh, up to date with it all. Um, and I think, you know, we, we've touched on this uh, several times um, on the show. Um, it just seems that uh, as the sort of uh, weeks, months, years roll by, um, you know, people are getting sick and tired of the people up top um, eating all the cream and uh, not sharing with the rest of us. Um, and if you were to sort of condense how long this has been going on for um, into, you know, onto, onto a sort of a chart, um, it's really only sort of in the last sort of, I would say maybe... I don't know, 10, 20, maybe 30 years that they've started to really uh, um, um, ramp up the, the, the sort of the, the divide and it's just kept on growing and growing and growing. Now, of course, there's always been, as long as you know, humans have been able to organize, there's always been people at the top and people underneath them, you know, but that's just, that's just the, the animals that we are. We're, you know, that's the way we structure ourselves. However, when uh, money and politics, which has no place in nature whatsoever, um, is the driving force behind um, this structure, then what you tend to find is that the people at the top like all the benefits that 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 comes with that, and they want more and more for themselves. It's uh, it's the I suppose if you were to look at it from the sort of uh, I don't know philosophical. Uh, uh, mythic point of view it's like the, the the hole in man's heart which can never be filled um, now ph- philosophy aside when you've got people who are taking everything and the rest of us are kind of having to you know make do uh, when there's less to make do with and it's clear that the people up top are making do with everything that should really be shared out amongst all of us then people get sick of it, you know, and there's only so long that people will put up with stuff because as a, as a species, the human being will uh, put up with a lot of crap. <laughs> you know, we have yeah. to say they, they will put up with unbelievable amounts of crap, but a lot of the time it's kind of like, well, you know, you sort of go, in an ideal world, what we'd like is for this to happen, but in reality, what can you do? Yeah. You know, there, I mean, is, there is, is the there is there is too much of an acceptance of reality in this country. I think uh, yeah. when it comes to, and I'm not saying that it's not. I'm not saying that it's. Uh, you know, not, I'm not saying that people shouldn't have uh, unrealistic uh, goals in their lives. It's like you know, not everyone is going to be a millionaire, millionaire like Richard Branson. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's like uh, but at the end of the day. Um, there is a, there is this, um, and it's also gone with the uh, with the immigration issue, where yeah. you know you have this um, where this immigration has been brought up by uh, strands of the right wing media, and it's uh, played this na- it's played to this narrative of uh, turning uh, working class people against immigrants and saying that uh, and you know saying that oh they've only been here for like a week and like they're already getting benefits or yada 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 yet I've been here and paying my taxes and working a hard job and uh, you know uh, only getting you know a, a, a fraction of what he's yeah. getting out of life yeah. and, and, and play yeah. to this you know uh daft narrative that uh you know that they like to to paste up yeah and i mean well it, it, like you say exactly it's about uh getting the people who are all in the same boat to fight against each other rather than all going and throw themselves overboard yeah exactly yeah and and i think as long as you remember who 
the sort of the the wannabe puppet masters are, then you can keep your attentions focused on them. And I just think that now, you know, like you say, we've had uh, you know quite a few years of of being fed this idea that uh, it's the immigrants' fault, you know, that they're yeah. taking everything, you know, and for a while. It was kind of, I don't want to say washing with people, but, you know, it was kind of, like you were saying, it was almost like an accepted reality. You were like, well, if that is the case, what can we do? But I think now more and more people are starting to realize, hang on, this isn't the case at all. What we have here are people who are trying to make a better life for themselves. They're not getting all this stuff that's being told about. And whilst we're being fed all of this tripe, um, the people who have control of the money and the power are slowly kind of slipping it into their back pockets, you know. It's um... Or slipping it into what we're going to be talking about in our second bit when we first uh, talked uh, talk about this anti-austerity process. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the, the, the reason I say um, why I've not discovered this as much as uh, people would like me to, and, like, I'm aware that Jeremy Corbyn was there. I was aware that Owen Jones was there. I was aware that Russell Brand was there. Charlotte Church... They all gave nice rousing speeches, including people who've worked really hard within the anti-austerity protest. And I'm not saying that's uh, you know something that we should uh, overlook, but I, it was it was all overshadowed by what happened today. And you know what happened today? Go for it. Uh, George Osborne and uh, Ian Duncan Smith have pretty much okayed the uh, the the twenty billion do- I think twenty billion pound I believe in uh, uh, welfare cuts, and that's going to include housing benefits. Wow! So it was so all for all- nothing. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, this is this is another one of the hard realities that I always, you know, when I'm sort of having to think to myself, you just think that, the, you know, I, I think that it's a great thing that we have, you know, that we have the ability to protest, you know, because in some countries you wouldn't be able to speak your mind, you know, and I think it's great that we're able to do that. But the sad fact is that no matter how much we go out and we sort of pop these banners up or these signs up and we voice our opinion the problem is that these pricks will just do what they want to do anyway no matter how loud we are they're just going to do whatever they want you know it's not like they have to work very hard for it either i mean let's face it they did win it well they claim they won the election obviously 24 percent of uh, the vote went towards themselves and uh, yep. to uh, so pretty much on an election which is uh, you know uh, is rigged towards um, you know very safe seats and also uh, they just these marginals that they have to grasp hold of they don't have to like fight for every single vote it's more of a strategic plan you know all these parties do this I'm not saying that's just the conservative party you know all these parties do this they strategize yep. themselves to solidify their bases rather than getting the support of the entire country yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, it was the it was the mistake that you know um, the Labour Party even made, and they absolutely paid for it at the last election when uh, Nicola Sturgeon rose rose in the ranks. Yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah and that's the reason why we're making uh, you know uh, reason David Starkey's called you know comparing them to Nazis like they did last week, and uh, you know we're making all sorts of uh, you know why they're now considered the uh, the the party the party of anti austerity. Yeah, uh, you know, compared to where the Labour Party is, which is a mishmash, and actually we even saw that in the debates. Yeah, in the debates, in yeah. uh, you know, Great. which was even more, um, you know, uh, dare I say, you know, uh, 
um, it had probably even less significance than the anti-austerity process because it was pretty much just, you know, uh, yeah, you know, we sort of on the on the edge of whether, you know, new Labour was a good or a bad idea or not. And we don't know if, uh, you know, Tony Blair is a good guy or a bad guy or not. And it was just, the, you know, the only person who really stood out of that... Actually, there was two people who stood out of that debate that entire night. And that's the reason I was so disappointed with it. And that was uh, Liz Kendall, who doesn't have the... Uh, doesn't have like uh, the you know the the is it the uh, is the oli not the oligarch the uh, the albatross around her neck or something like that of right. you know the last couple of years of the Labour Party she, you know she's just she's walked in with some kind of realistic expectation that not only is she going to have to uh, support to tow the the Union Party line in the Labour Party and uh, may even have to push back against them but has to do something something to uh, bring back the Tory vote. To back to the Labour Party and uh, win on their terms, you know, rather than try and uh, you know fork it out on their own, because you know in the uh, in the north of in the north of this country that's going to work, but in the south of this country it ain't. No, and uh, you know we, that's a realistic expectation that we have because we have that kind of you know uh, that, that 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 type of social makeup that this country has got itself into. Yeah. And so that was one side of the uh, of the you know a, a possible winning candidate, which you know will probably do. Uh, an opportunity to make Labour the main opposition again, but not necessarily win the election. So you had Liz Kendall in that respect. Then you had Jeremy Coburn, who wanted to bring Labour back to its traditional roots, who really had some genuine... um, had some genuine thoughts and some genuine feelings, and has also been a veteran of the parliamentary system for the last 32 years. So he's in the know. Yeah, and uh, but the problem is, is that he's even more to the left of Ed Miliband, and unfortunately, some people put that back down to the fact the fact that Labour did not appeal to everybody and thus lost the election. Yeah, well, it, it's uh, it's certainly um, yeah, I can certainly go for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, we kind of moved over from the moved off the topic there from Sapolsky. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, the the anti-austerity protest, you know, while it was it's good to see a lot of people out there and a lot of people that cared. And no doubt they probably were, um, you know, of the of the left, and, and that and that is the. But that was a problem, though. And I think that is that it didn't seem to include, uh, you know, uh, the general populace, if you will. I mean, let's face it, there weren't people who there who were in there who voted Tory and felt conned. If you, if you know yeah. what I mean, yeah, and, yeah, you know, if, you know, yeah. And this is the problem that we have in this country, and that's the, the, the and that's the reason why America has a more prominent. Uh, progressive left liberal um, grouping, if you will, even if it's not necessarily Democrat. Mm. Uh, the, the fact is, is that they are far more unified in the United States than we are. I mean, if you look at us, I mean, right now we're looking at a possibility that uh, for the first time in history, um, the unions may distance themselves from the Labour Party. And yeah. so the Labour Party will end up being kind of like, you know, this kind of weak uh, social Democrat party. Mm-hmm. If you will, yeah, and yeah. So, and yeah. then you've got those on. Uh, you know, uh, you, did you see the amount of Communist Party flags? Uh, the thing. No, uh, the, I didn't. The, I, uh, I was looking on Twitter, and I just saw the 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 the, the Communist Party of Britain was in significant force in 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 you know in in, in going down the street with these uh, you know these. Uh, Communist Party flags and everything. Whether you know, I know you know you can pay, but you, know, you can get a bunch of people to wave a bunch of flags around. That doesn't necessarily mean that they have some kind of significant support. But uh, I'm just very surprised to see them in quite the amount of numbers because you usually just have the you know you know they have the occasional oddball 
who turns up for you know some odd reason and you're not too sure why, mm. and uh, he's waving a communist flag around and just saying capitalism sucks while yep. wearing designer gear and uh, you know retweeting all of his uh, communist party friends' retweets on on his iPod. I mean. There is that oddball guy, but to see them in quite significant amounts was quite interesting. And I think it's uh, even is probably somewhat evident of the, um, the 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 polarization of our politics in this country. That's people are going so far to the right to support UKIP, and there's people who go so far to the left to support you know a, a communist party. I think. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of uh, I don't know. It's it's. It's strangely unsurprising <laughs> in the sense that, you know, what, what, is, what is the idea of communism? The idea that everybody should get the same amount. Of course, there are, um, there are the, the dangers that come with communism, as we know from, uh, from not too recent history. In Soviet um, Russia, party find you. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, you can, under- you can kind of understand why people would even go to that extreme of saying, of, of, getting under the guise of communism because it's like well if the people at the top aren't going to share then you know perhaps we should make them um you know and if they're not going to listen to the voices of the people you know the people of the country you know who they're supposed to be there serving for but of course like you were saying they're not bothered about serving anybody they're more bothered about getting their seats and being comfortable uh, and getting their their paycheck um but, uh, not only that, it's rife throughout yeah. our political system, and I'm not even talking about the Conservative Party. I mean, if you think about it, what I mean, uh, the Tory Party sounds pretty, you know, sounds pretty, you know, uh, uh, pretty wrapped up in regards to its, uh, you know, niche, um, you know, um, you know, inner circle, if you will. Mm-hmm. I mean, what you uh, you're born into a rich family, you go to Eton or private schooling or something along those lines you yeah. then uh, go to university you have no sense of like you know realism whatsoever you then end yeah. up as the cons- in the conservative party being like a backstaffer or something like that then you end up being maybe a councillor possibly and then you end up being the mb candidate and that no doubt that's probably something that's ended up in the uh in most of those MPs' lives, those new MPs there, I would be very surprised if, uh, uh, you know, okay, there's going to be those occasional ones that, uh, you know, do go through the traditional working-class route and can, you know, can legitimately claim that they're a working-class Tory and, uh, and, you know, believe in, like, you know, the small business and, you know, uh, have uh, a certain view on that. But also, it's not just restricted to the Conservative Party. It all happen- also happens in the left side of things as well. So, you know, uh, what, you're um, in the working class, you get involved with a bunch of people, uh, you uh, then get v- very well orchestrated with, like, a National Union of Students, if you will, and then you ended up working your way through that, and then you made friends within the labor movement through that type of methods. Uh, you then, uh, through that uh, type of work, then get yourself into, like, uh, so working one, like, uh, you know the major constituencies or one of the major labor clubs you still have no sense of reality you end up becoming maybe a labor councillor then you end up becoming a labor mp that type of mentality is something that needs to go because it's kind of what's built the problems that we've had over the last couple of years yeah uh, uh, I'm, 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 I'm sorry for being very stereotypical about maybe you know you know some tories and some labor because i do know some people who do have legitimately 
uh, gone through, you know, work, you know, sweated and bled and whatever to get what where they are today. But there, there is this uncomfortable amount of people who have had it far too easy, and uh, it, and it shows in the way that they implement policy in this country. Yeah, well, you know, everyone says, don't they, about the fact that the politicians just seem so far removed from you know the the regular working class person that I mean. Uh, it's strange because the only MP who I've sort of had any kind of contact with was the local MP for uh, for my constituency, which is uh, technically classed as Blakely, um, Graham Stringer. And um, how long's he been there yeah, for? He's been there for a while, I think. But um, so he's, you're talking about the dinosaurs was... in Jurassic World. I mean, it's like uh... <laughs> yeah, I, know. I think they, I think they went to school with him. I think, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but I tell you what, he, he's a good guy because I wrote to him with with uh, some problems I was having with the council, and uh, within like literally a couple of days from writing to him, these problems were solved. Um, really. So it, it's I, I don't know is it is it kind of I'll like tell you what they, that's the first I say maybe I'll maybe maybe I might end up having to maybe the first time I actually had to maybe somewhat apologise to Graham Stringer then you know because the time I was doing the show uh, back in North Manchester FM you know where Graham Stringer was not the uh, he wasn't quite the well, he wasn't on my I wouldn't say he's my favourite meal in regards to subjects and yeah. one of them definitely was when I was reading Manchester Confidential and he came up with this absurd view. Okay, of that, uh, you know, did people would, you know, kids with dyslexia and uh, with learning disabilities just need an extra kick up the backside rather mm-hmm. than actually needing any extra support. And you can probably imagine within those last couple of years, he was pretty much the butt of every joke. He was the, but you know, I, I, I got to be honest with you, I never really focused on his constituency work. And if it, and if it does, if it does show that he's actually been a, a good MP, and at least you what you've all told me, he sounds like he's been good in that respect. Yeah, I guess, well, I mean, you know, I, I, uh, I didn't know about the uh, the dyslexia thing because. I myself am dyslexic. Oh and, yeah, uh, well, uh, it's, 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 um, I think it's. Uh, I tell you what, I'll try to see if I can find it now. But I'll, I'll probably find it later on. But uh, though, I remember reading that that uh, that case, and I just thought. I also on top of that, it was really funny because uh, during the election campaign of uh, or was it 2010? I think it was uh, when we found out we we're going to get the coalition government. Graham Stringer actually came on the show and uh, on the election coverage, and I was the guy who was mainly hosting it. So as you can probably imagine, I got that opportunity to kind of like call him out on it, and uh, he uh, just took a deep breath and said, well, these people say stupid things and things like that. So uh, no, that was definitely one of them. So you can probably, you know, at least I got my redemption on that, to be fair. So yeah, uh, I just yeah. got to call him out on it. So uh, that, that that was funny. Uh, well, I, really wish, I really wish I started the tapes, but unfortunately uh, producers erased them all, and uh, which I'm still annoyed about. But uh, um, yeah, it's... Uh, well, I just dropped my I just dropped my pen. Uh, but uh, uh, sorry, let me just go get it. Got it again. <laughs> okay, uh, but, you know, Graham Stringer. If you know, to, to be fair, if he's if there's people out, there, and actually, I did say you know, if there's people out there who have who do have a different view of Graham, who, uh, who do have a different view of him, and to do he, um, I, if if you're saying that he actually does has done some good constituency work, and I've just dropped it again. Uh, if, if you do say if people do say that he's had a good you know, a good body of work within his time as an MP, then obviously, you know, that that should be reflected. And, but, yeah. so, you know, at least on my side of things, you know, it's, uh, with someone with dyslexia, you know, there's, he has said one or two things, which I don't really appreciate. No, well, I mean, the thing is, um, from, from the actor's point of view, uh, I always remember my acting teacher when he was saying about, you know, you, there are lots of great actors who are dyslexic. Um, and he said something similar, but in a way that made a bit more sense. 
because he was saying about the fact that you know when if you're dyslexic and you're an actor then you've just got to work harder not in the sense that because we're making it up he just said that you know if you're part of a company putting on a show or doing a film then obviously everybody can't uh, wait around for you you've just got to uh, work harder, which I understood. It wasn't like some of these people who say, "Oh, well, you're just lazy, so mm. do better." You know, it's like you know, I accept that you've got this learning difficulty, uh, but you've just got to sort of power on through. A bit like oh, yeah, a, just, a, a ninja. Oh, 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 on top of that, all we're asking for is an ounce of respect. It's like yeah. you know, it's like is is you know, this is a it's you know, this is a condition that we have. Which you know isn't just going to go away with a snap of the fingers. It's not going to be cured by some religious intervention. It's not going to be uh, you know kicking someone harder is abuse. I mean, let's yeah. let's, 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 let's let's put that uh, on the table. You know, the, the you know, people with disabilities need support, and, that, yeah. that, and that, that's what annoys me. About it. Definitely, we're going back to this anti-austerity march. You know, uh, because there's people who were genuinely there. There was a guy with a a. Um, um, uh, a sign over his head, and he said basically it was uh, dyslexics against the. I'll, I'll say I'll apologize for the uh, swearing, but he said dyslexics against the cunts rather than cuts. <laughs> well, did he misspelt that word? I think he did that, that intentionally, but uh, you know because obviously uh-huh. dyslexia, so basically cuts and cunts, you know. So uh, yeah. there you go. <laughs> there but go. yeah, great, great sign. But uh, um, yeah, and, you know that part of the process I absolutely do support because when you have disabled people, you know, in fear of losing their, that you know, can't find, struggling to hold down a job, cannot, doesn't know when the next, you know, uh, rent payment's going to get made, doesn't know when he's going to eat next, you know, which is a disgraceful situation to find the fourth uh, fourth richest country in yeah. you know it's like uh, they have they have every right to process and including yeah. most other people who are in disadvantaged situations and, and things like that and also you know um obviously but then all of that happened and then obviously the tories just kind of just you know this is the thing that many people thought that uh, you know going out there and protest and there's a lot of young aspiring people who, you know, were thinking, yeah, if we go out there, you know, uh, you're going to have David Cameron. You think, do you think David Cameron, were, while they were down there all processing stuff, that he was going to be up there in his tower currently going, Curses! Do you really think he was getting you know, Mojo Jojo there? But yeah. uh, you, you think he was up there saying that while all these people were down there? You know, they just turned around the next day and said, nope, we're just going to put just do the cuts anyway. Yeah. And uh, we may even do them worse than uh, when we did them five years ago. Of course. You know, like I was saying before, as if, as if they care what anybody's got to say and I suppose the the only raison d'etre for that is the fact that if the people up top aren't going to listen when we're protesting like this then perhaps we need to find a new way of protesting we need to try and hit them where it hurts yeah the uh, thing is though is that I mean how far do you go and uh, that's what I'm really worried about because right now it's just uh, you know uh, I mean I'm not going to I'm not going to compare it to Tea Party protesters because I think the anti-austerity protesters are far more intelligent than Tea Party protesters in the United States. But uh, I mean, how, I mean, I don't know how far. I mean, you see activists who you know, like Greenpeace, who you know, going in and like destroying like field crops because of GMO, GMOs and stuff like that. I mean, are we going to literally see you know protesters you know uh, lining up in front of uh, you know constituency offices of Tory MPs and stopping them from going to work and stuff like that? I mean, it's just you know, well, how far as, is this going to go? Well, as long as people aren't being hurt, um, you know, that perhaps there is you know they need to they need to try doing something. I mean, I've always said the best thing to do would be. Uh, 
the just so in case I'm not spoiling it for anybody, uh, the finale of uh, V for Vendetta. If everybody just marches and stands there, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to mow everybody down or what? You know, everybody standing together. I mean, there's more of us than there are of Well, them. keep in mind, this is the Metropolitan Elite that's currently ruling us. I know that they probably would. But, mm. uh, <laughs> I mean... Uh, I think, yeah, but the, obviously that was uh, obviously that was two hundred fifty thousand people that came out, and uh, I don't know if this was like you know I'm not I'm not going to compare it to Tiananmen Square because obviously that was a that was a, in a way that was kind of a colossal failure, but uh, you know because obviously you know a lot of students died and uh, now no one in China is allowed to speak of it again. But yeah. if we had a movement which was you know millions of people strong, and I mean I don't mean you know uh, a couple of thousand here, a couple of thousand there, I mean millions of people. You know, yeah. there would definitely be a change in the narrative, uh, come come what may, because uh, you know you're talking about a lot of people now who are turbocharged into politics. And actually, that's another th- great thing about it as well. Uh, to, to put some to put another positive into it, it's gonna make young people more engaged with the political system. But at the, the, the same time, why the hell is Russell Brand there, who originally before was saying that you know it wasn't worth voting, it wasn't really worth campaigning. Uh, you know, to get people into ballot boxes. You know, it's... Uh, I don't know what... If, if he wasn't there, I think I could probably say, you know, to a lot of... You know, there was a lot of young people there who were going to go into the political sphere and try and do something about this. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is with, with uh, Russell Brand, like, I mean, th- there's some things that he talks about that makes complete sense, but I think when it came to the politics... Uh, he sort of shut the bed a little bit because, like you say, <laughs> he, he, he kind of he kept jumping from ship to ship. So you know how are you meant to how are you meant to follow him when he's not being consistent? And I think it was completely wrong to say, oh, you shouldn't vote. You should just not take part in it, and then the problems will be solved. And of so course, you, you talk about it being shit. You say shit the bed. It was like it was projectile diarrhea and it projecting him into the air. It was just yeah. like you know, uh, he's, he's, so you, you see, you say you say he shut the bed and jumped ship to ship. It was him jumping while you know, and the diarrhea just. And making fly into the air, and then he would like land again, and then it would happen again and again like and a, again. A it was portion of shit. Yeah, there's your, so you're independent. There's your next cartoon for Russell mm. Brand. It's just him projected into the air by his own diarrhea, his own yeah. projectile diarrhea. There you go. So oh, yeah. uh, you know what a clean show we have. And <laughs> it's, it's like um, yeah. So uh, and obviously you can tell then there were some YouTube videos actually went out because uh, while he was on stage there were actually were some people there who weren't very happy to see him and were just happily to. Uh, he was like, oh, are you only just doing this because you got a new book coming out? Or it's like, oh, the trues need more views on YouTube because you get. Uh, um, I don't know. I don't know if he's a YouTube partner yet on uh, YouTube or not because if he's a YouTube partner, that means every time he gets a view, he gets some royalties for it from YouTube. So mm. I don't know if that's still I don't know if that's him at the moment. Which you know you would be asking yourself, you know, he, why is he a YouTube partner? He's already got money. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. It's not like what you may call it, where uh, you know uh, James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd, was talking about the days you know where he'd like be trading uh, you know get video games for sandwiches because his uh, movies weren't making him any money. And yeah. or like uh, you know uh, Doug Walker, the you know the nostalgia critic who was uh, became uh, I think he did become a YouTube partner and then I think he moved away. I think he did. And yeah. uh, but you know he was talking about you know not only was he doing his uh, you know character as the nostalgia critic, he was cleaning toilets uh, during, you know on his day shift. Yeah. It's like you know, Nick, you know, Russell Brand is not in that situation. It's like yeah. you know, as, as a YouTuber. So yeah. uh, I mean, it's like. Um, 
So, but I don't know. It's like I think he probably did more more harm than good. I think being mm-hmm. there than he did, and I, I guess maybe I can see the plus side of him being a celebrity, so people will turn up if you go see him. But at the end of the day, it's like I don't know. I just think after everything he's you know saying we shouldn't vote, then all of a sudden we should back Yig Miliband, then backing away from him again, and then losing faith in politics once again. I just I I, I don't know. He's he's uh, confusing. He's, he- no, well, that's the thing. Like I say, he's not consistent. And if you want, if you want somebody to take the position of a leader who's going to lead a group of people, then they have to be consistent. You know, the captain yeah. goes down with the ship. So Where's the speak. leadership in Muscle Brand? There, probably. You know, it's like uh, maybe he can lead anarchists. Maybe I don't know because obviously they they they, they don't stay consistent. But Do you know, you know, I always remember when he was on uh, what was it Question Time, and you know, and he sort of held his own. All right. But when um, yeah, but that's when, him. It's like yeah. when you come to this group of people, you know, you have to then lead them, which yeah. you know, uh, you can't just then all of a sudden decide, you know, on your own ground to then flip flop between between things. When yeah. you are a leader of something, and I'm not saying you shouldn't admit when things are wrong, and uh, you know, you shouldn't, you, you can't change your mind whilst you, you're in leadership. There's a lot of leaders who have made mistakes. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, we we could, we could run through the entire lot over the last what 50 years. But um, in regards to Russell Brand, when he is supposedly leading a group of people, you know, it's okay on his own terms if he changes his mind, because that's just him. But when he's leading other people and showing examples, he can't really do that, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, all all I was going to say was um, there was uh, there was one point where um, somebody said something about, oh, well, you know, if you're so passionate or if you care so much about you know changing politics then why don't you why don't you run as a as an mp why don't you really get involved and i think you said something like oh well the only reason i wouldn't is because i'd be terrified that i'd become one of them so but if you're if you're strong enough in your beliefs and your convictions then you wouldn't really need to worry about and that. you fought a drug was, addiction yeah yeah i mean it, it's it's uh i don't know i kind of that was one of the first times where i thought mm, well that that's not good you know, that's like, you know, somebody, <laughs> yeah, like like the drug thing. It's like someone saying, right, we're going to march on the the fortress of a drug lord and take him down and, you know, bring an end to the corruption in this community. But I'm not going to lead it because I'm terrified that if I get inside, I'll just start doing shitloads of drugs. <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Also, I think on top of that as well, he's like, uh, you know, you think the anti-austerity thing in its own beautiful way was also a family thing as well. And uh, I don't think Russell Brand is for children. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I just think you know. Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? And uh, so uh, I just think um, we're, we're. I think you're going to need somebody over the next, you know, for the anti-austerity movement. And you know, I mean, this won't be a, a massive thing, but I think if you had someone who you could look up to with the anti-austerity movement, maybe Jeremy Corbyn, you know, maybe could be that person. But I highly doubt it's going to be. A reality, but uh, I mean, there's going to be to be. I think that, that's it's all going towards this. There needs to be more structure in this uh, opposition to the conservative movements in this country, and right now we don't have that. We have a mishmash of we don't like the status quo, but we're really not going to organize to do anything about it. Yeah. And besides, you know, march around and have signs, and uh, you know, maybe once a month to. Yeah. Uh, well, to I mean, it. that's just the British way, isn't it? That's that's everybody being. 
Well, dare, dare less I say, people being British. You maybe know, you know we we've talked about you know uh, how you know um, American culture is starting to influence uh, some of our youth. Maybe it's time to bring in maybe more of that uh, American culture here of uh, maybe of uh, of li- of of liberal of maybe liberal left uh, you know progressiveness. Uh, mm. Maybe maybe that now needs to come in. Yeah. Uh, to to influence people because let's face it, they you know again they're more organised than we are, and sure. uh, you know that's the reason why you know they can get us, uh, you know Obama or maybe even you know, I doubt if I doubt want to see Clinton in the White House. I think she's probably going to get more of the uh, the conservative base than she is going to get more of the uh, of the of the of the liberal progressives. But at the end of the day, you know liberals, the left wing, you know the uh, the socialists, the communists, uh, they are all fragmented in this country. And there is no unifying force uh, yeah. to be seen at the moment. And until that unifying force comes in, uh, we might as well put up with Tory government for probably the next, you know, maybe even ten, maybe even fifteen years. Yeah. Because I, uh, you know, I mean, let's face it. The uh, can you see Scotland sticking around after everything uh, that's going to happen in five years? Uh, probably not. No, I, I don't think so. And because uh, you know what, we're going to have the European, we're going to have the EU referendum, which we're going to talk about pretty much in the, in the next few minutes. And uh, do you see them uh, saying that uh, you know after the EU referendum, after we're, uh, let's face it, I think you know, I tell you what, we might as well move on to talk about this now because it's pretty much what we're going into. This is the territory we're going into now, and that is that uh, uh, there is a political campaign which is now being set up for the European Union, and it is for the EU for the Britain to quit the European Union. That's the that's the side of the EU. And um, they these are millionaires who are pour, pouring in at around twenty million pounds to bring the, this campaign. And you know it's funny. It's like isn't doesn't it just ring true to uh, the saying that uh, you know uh, the millionaires piss on us and the media tells us it's raining? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but again, it's because they've they've got the cash. You know, and they could probably pay the media to say that. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, it's, it's pretty much been uh, the thing going on with the Daily Mail and the Daily Express and uh, all the other political narratives that uh, work well to uh, very wealthy donors. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to get it again with uh, you know these people saying, "Oh, well, it's uh, going to be uh, good for business if uh, you know they," uh, um, and also other stuff as well. We're going to hear about you know excluding immigration and. Uh, and this, you know, this sounds like a very nasty bunch of people. To be quite honest with you. Well, yeah, I mean, it, like I say, if, if when, whenever you sort of talk about groups of millionaires with an agenda, you can usually tell who that agenda is going to be for. It's certainly not yeah. going to be for us. <laughs> you know, it's going to be what's going to benefit them and make them not uh, make them not millionaires, make them into billionaires. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. I mean, this they could. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously it's money, and obviously, you know, I've always said in a long time, you know, it doesn't really matter how much money's put behind it as long as there's a good uh, uh, structure put behind it. You know, it's going to do well. I mean, let's say, I mean, I, I know this is probably a pretty bad example, but uh, you know, Burnley Football Club, uh, you know, good old Burnley. I mean, you, you, they barely they barely fill stadiums. Uh, to save their lives, yet they still ha- somehow manage to be Premier League teams. You know, once in uh, once in a couple of years, mm. and uh, it's it's an amazing thing to watch. And the reason I believe that being is because basically it has the structure behind it. And uh, unlike uh, you know other teams, which could probably have millions poured into it, and yet it all still just falls falls to pieces. Mm. And I think uh, I think Hull City, I think is probably a good good example of that. I think there's like a they've got like a a, a director who pours in quite a, lot, a bit of money into it, yet it's still just you know it just doesn't work yeah. the way it well, should do. Being being a Hull man, yeah, I I tend to hear about this a lot. Also, as a, a non-football fan, 
Um, <laughs> a lot of these analogies can go over my head, but yeah, being from Hull, you tend to hear about it a lot, or people tend to tell me about that a lot. So that I mm. can, yeah, I can go for that. Well, what will be? Uh, tell you what, then. Um, let, let's let's put it back to films. I mean, what would we say was a film that had to- ah food fight? Food have, fight. Have you heard about food fight? No, no. Okay, I'll tell you a story about it. It was a. It had sixty-five million dollars put behind it. Okay, it started. It started Hillary Duff. Uh, Charlie Sheen and uh, Tim Curry and a few other names as well. I, I, can't, I can't name all the uh, American voices. I don't know if it was going to get an international release or not. But apparently it was uh, supposed to be a film that uh, f- featured... Um, it was going to be like, you know, well, Wreck-It Ralph, which had like all the, uh, the, the video game characters in it. This yeah. was going to be one for uh, food mascots and right. drink mascots okay. and uh, this so basically had like mr clean um it had uh, i'm trying to think who else it had it had a few other like uh, chips ahoy guy and uh, there was a few other you know names if you will and also there was some like made up ones just for the movie mm-hmm. and so it had a 65 million dollar budget for it and uh, it was supposed to come out in 2002 it didn't and it only came out i think about 2000 i think it came out 10 years later in 2012 Right. And it was uh, cheap. It, the the uh, the CGI looked cheap. Uh, it uh, was poorly acted, poorly executed, and it I highly highly doubt it made back its money. So anyway, I'll just uh, check that out for uh, for a fact. Food fight movie. Uh, yeah, it's got one star at the moment on uh, IMDb. So there's your. There's your first uh, thing. So, box office, yeah. Box office, it made... So, let's keep this in mind. This was a $65 million, you know, project that was put together. And in it, its budget, and its box office, uh, uh, it made back at the box office only $73,000. Wow. Okay. So, uh, there, there you go. So, you can have... Yeah, that's There's my, you know... Uh, there's a good analogy of basically saying, uh, if it's not football-related, uh, basically saying... There can be a lot of money put behind something, but at the end of the day, it's not gonna it's not gonna translate necessarily into success. So yeah. maybe this might be the same thing with this, you know, uh, anti EU campaign. Maybe a lot of money will go behind it, but will it work the way it should do? Not necessarily. No, I uh, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. It's not been a complete uh, a complete tea party going into the the EU. Uh, I suppose you could put it down to perhaps uh, sloppy organization uh but you know the idea of the european union is uh it's a good idea in the sense that you know we're we're heading towards the 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 type one society i don't know whether i've even talked about this before there's an interesting model for different societies and the type zero society is the global society and we can see uh sort of future echoes of this society emerging um, and the European Union is, uh, you know, it's it's a good example of a sort of type one government system where you have a government that is uh, governing lots of countries rather than just one government per country sort of thing. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be perfect. And, you know, the European Union has had its flaws, but ultimately it's coming from a good place, you know. Yeah. Um, it mean, just might be the case of rather than sort of going right well it's all going wrong so let's just jump ship it's you know i think it might be more constructive to kind of go okay well 
why is it going wrong? How can we how can we change that? Do you know, do you know what's to... funny? It's like it's a, you know you have a crisis in Europe in 1945 because Hitler's you know walking around. And what did what did we do? We we went went straight to war with him, and uh, then the Americans joined in, and uh, you know we, that mess was set up. And uh, there have been plenty of times where Europe has been in crisis since then, uh, since it's uh, formed during peacetime, and uh, we've always seen it through. And now there seems to be this call of uh, of just you know this I don't know if it's like this modern day laziness of basically running for our lives now that there seems to be this massive problem mm. and uh, it's just you know it's uh it's, in a way it feels it doesn't even feel british so even you yeah. know we've talked about this britishness that seems to be going yeah. on about you know it's like we want to govern ourselves as britain and want to be british and uh, god save the queen and yada 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 yet we've had so much of a of, a, of an involvement with uh, our european friends over the last uh, over, uh pretty much in a, over many lifetimes and yet, uh, you know, here's this call now to basically say, nope, this is non-solvable. We're better off on our own. Let's be this global player, whatever that means. Yeah. And uh, it's just uh, actually on top on top of that, where you know, it's um, I mean, I've got plenty to say about you know us uh, being part of the you know the global you know, the globalization has not exactly been a great success either. I mean, it's like, why they seem to be now saying, okay, then, well, uh, you know, we're just going to be this global player, you know, uh, like we've not been for the last. Uh, you know, a couple of decades, if you will, we do do some types of trade with uh, with other countries. In the world, yeah. even even outside of the uh, of the EU, but uh, I mean, obviously, China gets uh, a bit of that, and also, uh, you know, there's uh, I've heard about uh, you know IT um, uh, projects being done, you know, uh, from Britain to to like places like Pakistan and India, and uh, you know, the uh, some of the also some of the Eastern countries, which, yeah. uh, as far as I'm aware, doesn't have any you know uh, bl- need any blessing from the EU in order to operate. No. So, uh, I mean, so the, the idea we can't trade with the world now is uh, somewhat somewhat absurd. But, yeah. uh, I mean, the, the the mentality that seems to be going in right now is, uh, and the reason we probably, is that seems to be going for the egress, at least in the mind of the, you know, the uh, the moronic right-wingers in this mm. country, is that we don't we don't like immigrants and that, uh, you know, we're Britain. And therefore, you know, we're we're strong, and therefore, you know, there seems to be this kind of like nationalist mentality, which is uh, very unhealthy. I think uh, in, in this debate, I think what we really should be debating about in this whole situation is the way the EU behaves. And because I mean, well, let's face it, you know, I I cover pol- I've covered politics since uh, 2007. I'm, I'm you know compared to other people who've been in like for 20, 30 years, I'm I'm a pretty new uh, player in the game. But I cannot tell you the um, the procedural, the procedures, the uh, committees, the way that the EU behaves, and that's because basically it's uh, tucked away somewhere, and I've just had no chance chance to research it about you know basically proper you know European Union protocol, and I can only just kind of piece it together through what I've heard from MP from MEPs that have come yeah. back from Brussels and seen it all work, mm-hmm. and I'm just you know so. Keep this in mind. I'm a massive politi- politics buff. Uh, you know, I always love to hear what's going on in the in in, in our political sphere. You know, at least in, 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 at least in, to people that I speak to. You know, when I speak to them about this, they think I'm a politics buff. But yeah. so, if I can't understand what on earth is going on in the EU, what's the chance that someone who is so jaded from the political system that uh, their response is, well, I went to the ballot box and I put my ex uh, towards the one with the uh, nice little yellow bird on it? Yeah, what are the chances exactly, that they're yeah. going to know anything about the uh, uh, the European, the EU? Yeah, I mean, it's 
yeah, I mean, like you say, it, it seems completely inaccessible. Like, not the facts aren't completely transparent for everybody else. And you know, I, I agree. I've had many, many politicians on the telly who have sort of gone, you know, oh, we need to be in the EU, or no, we shouldn't be in the EU. But never once has anybody kind of laid it on the table and go, okay, this is the EU, <laughs> just in yeah. case anybody wants to know. This is the EU. This is what they do. This is why people think they should stay. This is why people think we shouldn't. But here's the information. Have a look. See what you think, you know. This um, this feels like this EU referendum is going to be like a uh, an illiterate uh, walking into an English exam. It just it, it feels like it's going to you know at least for some people it feels like it's going to be that. I know there's going to and don't get me wrong. I know that I'm not trying to you know say that you know people don't know any better about politics. There are people that do, but if there the majority you know even uh, Joey Barton who is a you know once again we're talking about football again. I do apologize for that. But Joey Barton, I remember him saying on. Uh, uh, on question time is like, you know, the reason people, not many people voted for, you know, the only reason UKIP won the election was that uh, not many people voted in the election and so the, you know, the minority hardcore, if you will, got what they wanted in winning the EU election. In actual fact, you know, you know, like, you know UKIP, and keep going on about how they, like, we won the European election. We won the European election. We, we did something historical. We won by, the, by uh, you know, uh, a significant amount of people. You know, how many people do you reckon voted for them? Uh, well, I, I would imagine it's probably not a lot, not a lot. I would imagine it might be the same situation as with the um, what's it with the um, was it with the, with well with the government as it is at the moment. It was a case that not a lot of people voted, but if enough of those people vote for this one, then they get in. But it's not exactly a landslide victory. It's just a you know just because. Uh, what's what's the opposite of a landslide? Like, a, is it a marginal? Uh, it's always a. Uh, it's a close. Let's just call it a close election. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, it's like uh, here's 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 what it is. You know, like out of the, uh, I can't remember how many. I think it's like th- is it thirty two million? I think it is at the moment that uh, are eligible to vote. I think at the moment in the country, uh, I, I'm not I'm not too sure about how many people actually were you know um, who are actually registered to vote. But uh, at the moment, uh, the popular vote uh, that uh, went towards UKIP, the percentage, uh, and this is a, um, a proportional system. Let's keep this in mind. So it's more your vote is more likely to count in this election than uh, the general election. Uh, Nigel Farage with his party managed to to secure four million thirty. Four million uh, three hundred thousand seventy-six. Uh, sorry, four four million three hundred and seventy-six thousand six hundred and thirty-five votes right. in that in the, in that whole election, and he only managed to swing the percentage. He may get a percentage of twenty-six point six percent of the of, of the electorate. Right, and so, oh. but uh, if you uh, look at the uh, the amount of people who didn't vote for um uh, I'm trying to have a look I'm trying to find the graph now because there was a, an amazing graph which I had on my Twitter feed which I can't seem to find now and uh, I'm trying to find the amount of people who did not vote for voting in this election and uh, you'll find that it is actually even more than um the people who did did vote in the who did vote in the election so right. in actual fact the real winner of the European election was actually uh, uh non turnout right God of, the, of this of this election because I remember the, like because uh, uh, you know the only reason you again the you, you can brag about how much they won an election all they fucking like at the end yeah. of the day you didn't really win it because you only got twenty four percent of the vote kind of the same way that uh, the Conservative Party 
got 24% of the vote in uh, in this country. So it just infuriates me when... uh, you know, you know, you got blind UKIPers basically saying, "Oh, well, we won an election, hooray!" It's like in reality, you only won it because uh, only your your certain proportion of people decided to back you, and yeah. uh, then that same then with uh, no ambition whatsoever to better yourselves in any way, you pretty much got the same. So you watch, did they actually even get less votes than they did in uh, the? Uh, in the European election, because keep in mind they said what they had about uh, four million six hundred thousand votes. Did they have in uh, when I so general election poll general election results? So we say because I can't remember the exact number. I know it was four million, but I don't know what the exact number actually was. So uh, let me just do it for uh, for uh, for cl- for clarity. Uh, results of the UK general election, and uh, this was so uh, the UK Independence Party got in this one. As you know, they even got less than 4 million votes. They got, th- you know, they got 4 million votes in uh, the European election. 4 million, 700,000. They got 3 million, 800,000. Right. In this one. So their vote, actually, they had no ambition to better themselves, and their, at the end of the day, their vote dropped. Right. And I think it's because there's this stupid mentality that goes on in this party that they won an election, so therefore they they're on a roll. When in actual fact, they kind of just they didn't go they didn't even go standstill; they went backwards. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well. No. Sorry, there's my rant over. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I have to. I mean, I'm at the, I've got to be honest with you. I've uh, I've got this awful twitch in my back at the moment, which uh, I uh, pro- I probably did something while I was playing golf yesterday. Right. And uh, yeah, it seems to be uh, it is bothering me a little bit, and it's going up towards my neck now. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, this is just me sitting down as well. So uh, mm. golfing leads to rants. There we go. Yeah, I guess <laughs> golfing leads to rants. I think at the moment. So uh, anyway, we'll move on from this because uh, at the moment, uh, you know, uh, I would like to see what the pro EU. Uh, group is going to come up with, you know, in regards to uh, some monetary value. And I do say, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they can pour as much money into it as they want, but at the end, if they can't come up with a competency, I guess, I guess that's going to be that's going to be interesting. And uh, the main guy who's leading it is actually Aaron Banks, who was leading the donors for the UK Independence Party. So uh, I'd be interested to see if uh, the same kind of mentality goes over to it, because if it does, I don't think that they're going to have that much of a successful campaign. If that's mm-hmm. if that's the case. But anyway, E3. Yes. Uh, let's, let's move on to E3. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, I got what I wanted out of uh, out of E3. You know, we're going to get another Star Fox game. Uh, Xbox have finally conceded that, uh, you know, um, uh, that uh, maybe it was probably not the greatest of ideas to bring the Xbox One out without any backward compatibility. Yep. So, because uh, their games are just, uh, you know, they want to rebuild their libraries and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, that's funny. It's like, uh, tell you what, I'm going to get a prop for this. So, just bear me one second. Okay. Well, while you're getting that prop, uh, there, there are some really cool games that uh, that were announced that I'm uh, looking forward to talking about. Oh, go on. Okay, so basically, let me describe the uh, the moment that uh, Xbox uh, announced their backward compatibility console. Do you know actually what it actually sounded like? Go for it. <laughs> That's the, uh, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> it, it finally dropped. It's like the penny finally dropped, and that they realized that maybe not many people are buying as many games for the Xbox One as they'd like. You know, I've still got three games, you know, mm. still in my library at the moment. How long's the Xbox One been out for now? A couple of years? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 2013. 
2012. I it believe, came out. yeah. And at this at this point in time, I probably would have had uh, ten games for my Xbox 360 at the least, mm. at the least uh, for my Xbox 360. And right now, uh, with my Xbox One, I've still, I've still got three. God, uh, I mean, I see. The thing is, um... and one's still wrapped in plastic. <laughs> So you're not even not even attempted to have uh, got not that one even, out. No, no, it's just a swing. And I, I do admit, you know, my life has changed quite a bit since I left university. I'm now in work, you know, full time and things like that. But uh, you know, um, Xbox should have seen this coming. Yeah. So, like you know, the fact the fact is that uh, they should have, you know, even the backward compatibility um, list. That they're going, you know, they're doing the exact same thing that they did with the Xbox 360. You know, they're saying that, you know, we're going to have this uh, small list of games that we're going to uh, launch, you know, basically launch for our backward compatibility mode. And uh, the only one that I saw out of my list, which I can now play on my Xbox One, is Perfect Dark Zero. Right, okay. And how old is Perfect Dark Zero? Pretty old, yeah. I, I'm probably, I, I was still in college wearing no fear uh, um, uh, hoodies when I was when I was playing Perfect Dark Zero. God. So, I mean, uh, it's, nah, it's true. I've, I've not, uh, I've not played uh, many of the Xbox games. Of that. I think uh, the well, I mean, I, I've always been uh, a Nintendo lad, um, and only sort of in the last few years have I really got into the PlayStation because I had a PlayStation One. I never got a PlayStation Two, um, and then when. Arkham City came out. I uh, I went and got myself uh, a PS3 um, when I scrapped my old car. Um, but uh, yeah, I haven't really had much. Uh, I haven't really got to grips with the uh, with the Xbox One. Um, the only times that I've had sort of direct contact was uh, two of my flatmates, one who currently lives there, and the last one who lived there. Um, they just used to play. Well, he just used to play FIFA, um, and that was it. That was the only game he had for it. He didn't have any other kind of game. Um, And my current flatmate, I think she plays uh, F1 Racing, and again, that's it. So I don't know. Like, I mean, I know that there was, was it last year I saw about that, uh, was it called Titan or something like that? It was the one where you sort of got inside the mech suit thing. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, I think it was Titan, I think. Yeah, but again, like it seemed to get a lot of a lot of hype. But then I've not sort of spoke to anyone and sort of who's gone. Oh, you know that Titan game? It was bloody amazing. That yeah, and, and that, uh, that's the problem because you have got a lot of games that come in with a lot of hype. But then with that hype comes with the negativity as well. And yeah. uh, I hate to say it, but I think some people pay more attention to the negativity than to the positivity of uh, of uh, some responses to games. And I think yeah. that's one of the reasons why. Now you can say that you know the game fad if you will is uh, somewhat starting to wane because uh, i don't know people are either growing out of them and uh, that uh, you know gaming companies are just f- failing to replace these gamers that's why i've always said that nintendo had the more uh, progressive uh, gaming uh, mentality when they said we want to make games for everyone and not just for the people at e3 yeah. and uh, you know that'll go on to my next when we talk about nintendo in a minute but with xbox i mean the the, the things that the, the thing that microsoft did the most out of that whole thing you know goes back to backward compatibility which they should have done in the first place in my yeah. opinion yeah. and what well, we what ps3 ps3 or sorry ps4 should probably have done before and uh, and stuff like yeah. that. So. Well, I mean, talking about backwards compatibility, um, I was getting to grips uh, this week, actually. Somebody lent me, I think, the first ever uh, Silent Hill game for the PlayStation, uh, which oh, wow. I'm able to play 
on my PS3, um, but apparently PS3 can't um, can't backward aren't backwards compatible for PS2 games, which I thought was quite astounding. But um, I must say, um, having because I never played the old Silent Hill game, the first ever one, um, and the reason I'm playing it is because I want to play uh, the rest of the games. Uh, on recommendation from a, a good friend of mine, John. Um, but I tell you what, old games were a lot, lot more mentally challenging than certainly the games of today. It seems like, I think like you were saying, that people may be starting to get bored with the gaming fad now because it's starting to get to be the same formula for every game. Like, mm. there's, you know, that it's very rare that yeah, every first that... person shooter game has to be a call of duty clone why yeah exactly yeah, why yeah, I know, exactly why 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 do we need that and like you know even though i do like sort of the open sort of sandbox games uh, a lot of them do follow these same patterns i mean games now are so easy to do it's all about the it's all about the aesthetic you know it's about the fact that people just like to shoot things and blow stuff up, you know, they don't care about really using their brain and, you know, in some cases actually having a really good story. And also what's starting to happen now, which, uh, I mean, if you can remember when this started to happen with the sort of, you know, animated films, remember when animated films where the voice actors were sort of like, you know, professional voice artists. And then I think they started getting proper, I think was it, um, Robin Williams in Aladdin when they got him in for the part of the genie and yeah. I think he was he was sort of like the first big celeb that they got in to do a cartoon voice and then since then it's all you know again the the sort of the the celebs have been cast in all these roles and the sort of professional voice artists are left without the job you yeah. know it's a bit well, like they took our jobs they and took it's our now jobs. but in, it is in like... games like they're starting to cast celebs in the parts of game characters. And I tell you what, yeah. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to see, I think it's like watchmojo.com, and they do a list of the top 10 worst portrayals in games by, you know, supposedly renowned actors. Yeah. And, and that's a real disappointment because it really takes you out of the gaming experience, you know. And Well, I mean, it really depends. I mean, I mean unless we were told... Uh, right from the get-go, would we have imagined that Michael Jackson was the one who did the uh, the music behind Sonic the Hedgehog 3? No, no. Well, I mean, there was a lot of speculation about that for a while, wasn't there? Yeah, and then basically there was a mix between, you know, uh, I think, was it some, uh, was it, was it Michael Jackson being disappointed with the with the limitations of the Sega Mega Drive system? You know, yeah. it's like, uh, you know, uh, oh, what was the thing they used to promote the uh, Mega Drive with? What was it called? Blast processing. It's like, you know, well, the, uh, the, the, the processing mentality wasn't there for, you know, the one of the, the guys who made Thriller to make music within a Sega Mega Drive game? So uh, you know, it's like, where's your blast processing now, Sega? Uh, but um, <laughs> you know, uh, I was I was a Super Nintendo boy, so yeah, you know, yeah, you, know, you, know too, yeah. you, you know where my biases lies in, in all of this. But uh, yeah. um, you know, going back to uh, you know celebrities being voice actors in in video games, I don't mind it as long as uh, they can actually portray the character well. Because yeah. if you're let's say if you're just there, if you've got a, a, a character there who's not interested in the character and he's just there for a paycheck then well, obviously you're, you're they're, 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 then you've got 
a problem. And then obviously yeah, well, you've got you... to say to yourself, okay, well, that actor is not suitable for that role and therefore we need to uh, go somewhere else to uh, to get that. I yeah. mean, obviously, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, if you've got, uh, you know, Jack Black in Brutal Legend, I mean, obviously then there's, uh, you know, that, that's a completely different case whatsoever. Yeah. But if you have, if you have a, a, a professional actor who's, got himself immersed into this character and uh, you know wants to portray him and give the gamer the greatest experience that he can possibly give by portraying that character then you've got a winning combination there and I guess you could say it's the same thing for like you know movies that go straight to DVD or movie or like uh, you know projects that go on uh, Netflix or whatever and uh, you know all of the other media that's currently going there that's outside of their sphere you know, if you, as long as that professional actor has the passion to, uh, to deliver what you and uh, everyone who is going to buy your products uh, is able to, if he's able to give them that, then I have no problem with that. But obviously, yeah, the, the, there is a big problem with uh, people who are going into mediums, not understanding what it actually is about, not understanding their audience, not understanding their character, and it is a complete and utter disaster. Yeah, well, I mean... You you completely read my mind uh, with that um, <laughs> when you were saying about <laughs> are they just turning up for the paycheck? I mean, like what was the one I was watching? Um, uh, Peter Dinklage, you know, brilliant actor. Um, I've yeah. I've I've started getting back into Game of Thrones again after a sort of lengthy absence, um, you know, and he was cast in that uh, Destiny. That game and th- w- was that just for Xbox One Destiny? Um, I just... no, it was on it was on PS. Was it on PS4? I think it was. I think uh, no, I think it, was, it wasn't Destiny a PS4 exclusive. I I'm, thought I'm not too sure. You might have to look into that. But I think, I know I think that it was Destiny. He... I think it was a PS4 exclusive. I think. Okay, well, I mean, I know that he was uh, he was casting that as sort of like the little sidekick character, uh, the sort of robot, and a lot of people said about the fact that. Um, his performance in that was was not good and i mean sometimes you think is it the case that the actor is just there because they're going to say you know because they're going to give them that paycheck or could it be the fact that you know it's a tough one and this isn't just for in gaming i think this is for in acting in general um whenever you see uh you know a bad performance a lot of people have the tendency to blame the actor and say, oh, well, they obviously weren't good. But sometimes there are things like, for instance, a bad director. And I have worked with bad directors before who just do not have a clue what they're doing, what's happening, and you realize that the captain of the ship is mad and you're the one steering the ship. And it's about, do I care enough to, to take the wheel or do I just wait until we dock and then just get off the boat? So that's one thing. The other thing as well is... Uh, I mean, it's like nothing away from actors, I mean, uh, like yourself, Harry. But in regards to that point, I would say that, uh, you know, it is a bit of a, of a mix between uh, the director and the actor. You know, it's like uh, you can have... I, I believe if you have a bad director running a, running a movie, I think, the, I think the project is already in massive amounts of jeopardy. Mm. And uh, and while I could see someone like, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of a, of a really great actor who could probably, you know, uh, rescue himself out of a really bad situation. I'm definitely going to say Tim Curry, but uh, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm uh, trying to find. Uh, I don't know why Anthony Tim Curry Hopkins, was. Anthony Hopkins, Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman, uh, maybe uh, dare I say Leonardo DiCaprio because he has fun uh, on some of the films he has. And, uh, uh, yeah, um, 
I well, I, the the only thing with Leo is that he he's kind of, I think he's perhaps maybe a little little bit overrated uh, for what he does. I mean, I think, what yeah, he does is sensational. That. Yeah. But, I mean, he he does. I don't know. I don't know whether it's. I'm, the, I'm trying to think the, of somebody who is really good being themselves, if you will. They're very, you know, once you know, like if you meet him on the, if you meet him in like in a in a diner, and like you're just, you know, you meet him like uh, you know, like in the subways or whatever, and yep. uh, you know, you uh, and you can have a really great conversation with him. Uh, yep. uh, maybe I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, John Cleese. Uh, John, John Cleese. Yeah. Uh, John Cleese. Already. Yeah. As, as you were saying it, Bill Murray. Bill Murray. You know, yeah. just people who are really good in real life and then yeah. can be good on, you know, people who can, like, I'm just trying to think of those actors. You know, maybe then you could definitely say at least 50% of a project is going to be good because there is an actor who's willing to put in his uh, his thing. But at the same time, in order to get the other 50%, the director needs to do something as well because at the end of the day, he's the foreman of the project and he's the one who's going to be building, he's going to be helping build this structure. And so yeah. he can either have it half, he can have it half built and looking pretty decent or he can have it completely knocked down uh, well, within the space of two months i mean i i could i could give you like you know a full sort of story and account of uh, good director versus bad director based on some of the films that i've worked on i won't now because it will take a lot more explanation but if you ever want there's talk, a show <laughs> if you ever want to talk about that then I'd be happy to recount some of those stories for you. Maybe, but, maybe, uh, we, maybe we could do it on next week. I mean, we're very much planning next week's show. What, Jurassic Park review, uh, sorry, Jurassic World review, shall I say, and yep. uh, then uh, we'll talk about <laughs> your acting, yeah, your acting absolutely, experience. Absolutely, yeah. There's, tomorrow, you... there's next week's show uh, pretty much done. So, uh... um, But then the other thing I was going to say was... Uh, Coming up in not... two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say the other thing it can come down to as well is obviously a bad script. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's tough um when uh you know when when you're given something that you're just like i've i've no idea why i'm saying this it doesn't make any sense i mean because i as well as doing my acting i also write scripts as well you know i'm a writer and uh if i'm working on uh or if i'm asked to do a film then you can usually tell within the first couple of pages of the script in terms of okay is this how an actual human being speaks or is this how a machine would speak? You know, if it is, is this how is this how um, when you play a game? You know, particularly like maybe a Capcom game, and uh, you have the the sort of the speech box at the bottom. You know, characters in games when they speak are very explanatory, um, but of course in real life people don't speak like that. Um, so does it look like that, or is this actually a conversation that, as you say the words? You, it sounds natural. Yeah. Well, know, in and- regards to scripts, I mean, uh, I mean, the only example I can come in my head at the moment is uh, you know, uh, Kindergarten Cop. Yes. Uh, yeah. We're going to talk about Schwarzenegger later on in the show, but uh, um, with Kindergarten Cop, you know, it's, it is one of those Marmite films. You know, either you love it or hate it. But uh, you know, if you look at it script-wise, you know, it sounds like a terrible idea. I mean, you yeah. got a you got a, a, a story that is kind of like a mix between a family adventure, and then you got this really cold, uh, you know, like a crime thriller. 
uh, yeah. mixed in between. Well, you take got... a script like that, and that you think that was dead on arrival, but yeah. uh, then you mix in Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then yeah. you mix in uh, you know uh, a good amount of direction. I at least I believe, and uh, you might actually have something that's actually salvageable. Can actually have like a meeting between the two. And yeah. so while there are those people who do think that uh, Kindergarten Cop is a terrible film, and uh, you know in some ways I do agree with that. There are some terrible elements in it. At least there was something in there to at least sell. You know, it goes back to what, my, what I was talking about before, you know, the 50-50%. So there was 50% good direction, there was 50% somewhat from the actor. And uh, those com- those kind of combinated between the two and at least, you know, salvaged something from what could have been an absolute mess. Yeah, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to have a look now um, and see what the... Uh... Uh, oh, it was a 15. Oh, okay. I didn't realise it was a 15. Yeah, it was um, a 15. So uh, basically, what's, uh, if you watch the abridged versions, uh, where they actually do get away with it playing it during the day because they take out something like they really like. You know the scene where they identify the body of the uh, of the druggie? Yeah, uh, uh, in her. Yeah, that that's taken out, and yeah. then I think uh, trying the, to think the, what else is taken out. Uh, the, 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 there's there's the bit with the guy uh, attacking the person to get the I think like the the, the toy set for his son. You know the, the oh that's the, bridged the out. Yeah, that, that uh, the death of the the druggie and his girlfriend. I think it is um, the bit where Arnold Schwarzenegger goes out to beat up the abusive father. Uh, the bit where Arnold Schwarzenegger gets shot, the bit where the, the ferret attacks the dad and then he yeah. gets shot. You know, it's it's a it's a quite quite a weird mashup, isn't it? It really? is, yeah. And uh, yeah, you can definitely tell. It's like I, I I remember one time he's like, yeah, Kindergarten Cop's going to be on during the day. Shall we watch it? And it's like uh, then you find out like it's not as uh, good as uh, what you have on DVD. It's like, well, I've got the DVD upstairs. Do you want to watch it? So uh, there's yeah, uh, yeah. It's one of the situations. Uh, we've walked so far away from E3. I think. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, we're gonna we're just gonna to get us, just to get us back to. That, just to sort of chuck out a couple of things that I thought were quite exciting. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Star Wars um, Battlefront, um, when uh, it showed some of the, the footage from uh, the Battle of Hoth, which looked really, really cool. That, that, was, um, awesome. that was awesome, yeah. Particularly uh, at the end of the footage where Vader appears, that was like, <laughs> uh, up until then I was watching it, and as soon as we saw that, I got the goosebumps. And uh, so, yeah, so very excited uh, about that one. This has and been then, a long-awaited sequel. Why there wasn't a Battlefront 2 right after uh, we had the original Battlefront? Because Battlefront was actually a really, really fun game. And in a way, that, that, that's what I love about some, you know, some shooters or some, like, strategy games where you can just basically just have a mash of just you know all these people just shooting each other and fighting each other and you're just involved in this big massive battle yeah and so you know you can just get immersed in that and that was the great thing about battlefront and i was just you know i thought i was waiting year after year after year thinking why on earth is there no sequel to this game and yeah. now there finally is so you know where once again it's like i just threw my uh, penny away but uh, you know it's like yeah that's uh it was uh, it was great, so uh, I'm really I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm really hoping that it's going to be as great as the uh, original Battlefront as well. Yeah, well, I mean, like you were saying, why have they waited this long? I mean, the technology now is so great that it's probably meant that they've been able to do so much more with it. Um, so, I mean, and there, there was another game um, that I cannot remember the name of it, but I think he's almost they've they've had two games, and there's a third one that's now been put out there as almost like a sort of Indiegogo or crowdfunder where it's like, you know, if you donate to getting this game made, 
then we'll be able to have the third installment and finish the story. Because apparently these games were written in three parts to tell a story that takes part over the whole three games. Um, and then the third one, for one reason or another, never got made. Uh, I think they were on the Sega Dreamcast, or one of the yeah. launch games for the Sorry, Sega what was it, Dreamcast. What, what was it called again? I don't know. This uh, is the thing. Like, I've, I've, I don't know what the game's called. I'll have to see if I can find it now. You know what? I'd um, love to see uh, another game of. Uh, I don't know if it's. Uh, someone's probably going to shout at me and say there was a game made of it. There's, uh, I remember playing uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga for the Sega Saturn, and uh, this was in the dying days of, uh, of Sega. And uh, I really love that RPG, and uh, I just uh, I hope that uh, they would. Uh, so you know, someone might do something for that again, and uh, maybe people would just say, "So we'll just play Final Fantasy." It's like you know, but. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. It's like that's pretty generic in regards to uh, you know Final Fantasy. Sorry, in regards yeah. to RPG and games. And... On, on the topic of Final Fantasy, got the goosebumps big time uh, when they showed the Final Fantasy VII remastered trailer. Absolutely. Um, I, was... I think that's what won Sony three Sony three this year. And uh, to be honest with you, but uh, I mean, if uh, Microsoft and I think if Nintendo had uh, far stronger holdings than they had, I think uh, maybe Sony wouldn't have been this lucky this year. But uh, yeah. I think we but... definitely give this one for Sony just just for Final Fantasy seven. Yeah, I mean, Final Fantasy seven is in my top five games of like all time. Um, I remember getting it at high school and it became my life for a long time to the point where, you know, if you ever get immersed in a game that almost starts to bleed into reality, uh, and especially if you're playing it at the same time as one of your mates at school, it's like, you know, we would come into school and that's all we'd talk about. You know, it was, it was the focus point of our attention, our imagination, everything. And um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the remastered version plays because is it going to be i think they were saying is it going to be sort of like the new age final fantasy where you can sort it's not a sort of turn based battle system it's like you know a sort of you know run around slash a bit like um kingdom hearts or whatever you know as i would say it doesn't matter to me either way how they do it as long as they stay true to that original story which is just such a phenomenal story you know, I mean, you talk about... I don't know, having, nine times right. out of ten, I think, uh, you know, when they say we're going to bring back original games, I mean, like, uh, Gears of War is going to be... The original Gears of War is going to be coming out again, and uh, I put a pre-order down for that because I do want to play it again. And uh, But, uh, I mean, uh, it usually, nine times out of ten, they usually do keep the original gameplay system just to in order to, uh, you know, make you know make sure that, so, you know, when they say we're making a remake of something, we actually are making a remake of something. Yeah. But, did, I mean, did it say remake or remastered? I can't remember. Um, I mean, he says remastered, which I'd imagine, you know, would be remake. But, uh, I mean, that, actually, that's the confusing thing about... Uh, I mean, we'll move it to, on to Nintendo in a minute. But, uh, I mean, that's the, that, that's what it confuses me about some game companies when they say, we're making a remade version of this. And it's like, oh, so basically you're rebooting it? No, we're doing, a, 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 like, a remastering. It's like, oh, so it's like a remake? It's like, no, it's a remastering. So it's just like, uh, I think they need to uh, kind of get together and kind of, redef- you know, define us what these terms are because you can't just yeah. pick a uh, a word out of a dictionary and just say well it's like uh, oh it's it's, uh, it's like this yeah I mean it's like the Ghostbusters are they doing a reboot are they doing a remake or are they doing something that's uh, you know a new chain you know non canon it, it, it's 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 I a re ghosting yeah <laughs> I mean <laughs> this is 
this is why my verdict's still out on the new Ghostbusters one. You know, I don't know whether we've even talked about that or not, but I'm sure we will in in the months uh, to come. But, well, uh, I've heard that there's only like drips and drabs of information come out of it. That's what I believe. I believe. I know it's going to be uh, an all female lead. I know that's good. I know that much, and I know there was a some someone was announced for it. I don't know if. Uh, uh, I don't know if Bill Murray's on the project or anything like that. I don't know, but... Uh, yeah. I, I know mean, that, uh, what is it now, they announced that Chris Hemsworth has joined and he's playing the secretary. Oh, interesting. So, so, yeah, uh, but, uh, but let's not go into that now. Let's uh, yeah. stick with uh, stick with E3. Um, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, uh, on the Nintendo topic, uh, I know you're a, a fan of the, the Star Fox I'm uh, I'm a huge series. Nintendo fan, and I do have to admit with a lot of people, a lot of what Nintendo had to bring to the table wasn't just wasn't engaging but to be honest with you there is a reason for that and let's face it in the eyes of nintendo e3 is probably only maybe 10 maybe 20 percent of their audience share in regards yeah. to who they want to reach out to so really if, if, when you when you try and pro, when you try and go into a marketing meeting with uh, that saying that oh well we've got to go to e3 this year because uh, you know that's where some of our audience is and it's like uh, you know and they're all saying to themselves saying to themselves our games appeal to everyone they're just going to turn around and say who gives a shit it's like yeah. you know, just just <laughs> let's get some muppets uh let's get some uh you know some let's get some games that we're just going to make anyway and uh, let's just put in like one or two cool things and then we should be fine and mm. obviously in regards to e3 we weren't fine i mean it was another uh, poor showing from nintendo but in regards to, uh, it, you know, at the end of the day, Nintendo is going to make up for it because they're going to find somebody who, uh, I mean, let's face it, who, if you're a mother or if you're a, you know, if you're a dad and you're buying a game console for your son and your son looks at, you know, the bright, colourful Nintendo, uh, you know, pictures or whatever on online or whatever, or whatever Nintendo is doing, and you've grown up with Nintendo and uh, you know that it's uh, a great brand product, you know, where does E3 factor in? Because at the end of the day, you know, Nintendo, if even in regards to E3, they're just going to basically pander to their audience, who, uh, you know, is that family-friendly, you know, uh, amount of people. You know, in regards to E3, in regards to the hardcore conservative gamers like myself, I mean, I guess you could say I've just grown to accept it. I mean, I really wish Nintendo would go back to the days of, you know, we're going to remake, uh, you know, all the NES games from, uh, you know, from yesteryear, and uh, we're going to do, uh, you know, there's going to be a Star Fox game every three years and uh, things like that. I mean, if they were going to do that but uh, not make a profit on it, no one's, you know, Nintendo would be nuts to do that. But uh, because they appeal to uh, various other people, and uh, they, um, you know, do this, uh, you know, they do, like, the whole, uh, whatchamacallit, um, they do, all like, all these cute games that uh, appeal to everyone. Mm. I mean, E3, for them, is going to be a thing, but it won't be the thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, for them, I don't think, and plus, on top of that, uh, the majority of people who are watching on YouTube, you know, the majority, you know, the majority by a landslide, uh, you know, really loved the uh, E3, you know, conference. It was just that, you know, there were those... Uh, but if you were looking through the eyes of, like, you know, the uh, the computer game Simon Cowell, if you will, uh, yeah. of people, I mean, there, there, there was no way Nintendo was going to walk away from that or smelling like fresh roses. But at the end of the day, I got Star Fox Zero, so I've got something to be happy about and can't really complain. So, yeah. And also, Mario Maker seems pretty cool. Yeah, no, I did, I did see that. Um, you know, for years, people have been... Uh, people have been sort of theorizing about um, having a, a, a sort of build your own level thing. And, you know, I must admit, um, 
I've I've always liked um, the games where you can create and design your own levels because then it's like it's like that extra layer of uh, involvement or engrossing into the game. It's like you know not only are you playing a great game, but you're also able to contribute. You know, I think that's one of the reasons why Little Big Planet was such a big success was the you know the fact that people could build their own stages and share them online for the rest of the world to play. You know, it was a really great sort of sense of community. Um, I mean. Again, there was a part of me that thought it seems a little, a little bit gimmicky, um, but it's Mario. Yeah, so. I mean, uh, it was I mean, Mario Maker is going to be pretty cool, and uh, you know, I was looking at sort of like some of like the, you know the uh, extremely impossible levels that some people were building, and it's like, yeah, that's what it's going to be. It's going to yeah, be people making yeah. extremely give it, give impossible levels. People are going to be building a level that takes ten minutes to do, and it's just literally Bowser every every <laughs> couple of foot, you know, and it's like. No one's going to be able to do that. I can already see my my youngest cousin, who you know is he's, he's one of the the Minecraft generation, you know, and they will just create stuff that is completely impossible, impractical, and ridiculous. But you know that that's what's going to happen to it at some point. It's They're going to be like, like there's going to be this you know, one in every one thousand chance you're going to be able to make that jump. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just going to be one block that you start on, and no matter what you do, you're going to die. <laughs> so uh, yeah. yeah, it's going to end up going that way, isn't it? But it I'm is, sure. but it's going to be fun. And uh, you know, let's face it. You know, just through the fact that there was going to be, you know, that's one of the reasons why I bought a Nintendo Wii because I thought there was going to be a Star Fox game coming out for it. When there wasn't, I gave it to my sister, and she now uses it for uh, for Wii Fit. But uh, you know, um, now that I know there's going to be a Star Fox game definitely coming out uh, this holiday or whatever holiday means i mean i'm assuming it means christmas but uh i hate when they say that. it's like you know i don't want to pander to this whole you know the conservative mentality like there's a war on christians so we're not allowed to say christmas and stuff like that but uh, you know oh, that's, uh, that's rubbish that's it is it, rubbish, it is bullshit yeah. isn't it and uh, you Course, know, yeah yeah it's like you know like uh, there's a war on christians in uh, a very christian country it's like you know where the majority of people are christians and you can't go uh, uh you know down the street without saying you know god loves you or something like that it's like you know like yeah there's a war on christians and christmas and things like that so it's like oh uh, my god rubbish. <laughs> rubbish rubbish but anyway um you know in in regards to uh, the fact that there's going to be a Star Fox game coming this year i mean nintendo will me over you know i'm going to buy a wii i'm going to buy a wii u and uh, i'm going to have a play with it and uh, i'm also going to see what mario maker is all about and uh, dare i say i might get back into nintendo again by by the end of december well yeah that's it i mean the only reason i've not got myself uh, a wii u is because of the sort of the the things i'd read about it being flawed technology kind of rushed onto the shelf um and then the fact that not a lot of the games it's an extra large uh, ds let, yeah, let, yeah. Let, it's, it's, if you if you want to if you want a, a smaller version of the wii u and you want less graphics just get a nintendo ds or 3ds mm. you know but i mean you see this is the thing i might do the same as i did with the original wii you know i never got one when it first came out and then it went down massively in price and uh and i went and bought one so you know, it's. Um, I'm sure at some point I will have a Wii U uh, with a few of the games like Smash Brothers and um, Mario Kart and Star Fox and Mario Builder and what have you. Um, but yeah, I mean, before all of that, I definitely want to get a PlayStation Four for Final Fantasy Seven yeah. remastered. You know, and of course uh, Arkham Knight as well. Um, that's starting to appear in the shops now, like the little things where it's like pre-order yours today. And um, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's 
my it's it's my my ultimate sort of um, conundrum at the moment. It's like, do I go to Australia at Christmas to see the family, or do I get a PS4, stay at home, and just game the holiday season? <laughs> Where you know, yeah. but, uh, I you, what, you, you know what I need. Uh, you know, you've seen that uh, meme on there with uh, Fry on Futurama, shut up and take my money. It's like, yeah. yeah, I think I, I, I need that on my soundboard. It's like yeah. you know, uh, we I just realised we need to get that. Find one. that one for next. Shut week. up and take my money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, but yes, yeah, so, so some exciting games coming out this year and uh, hopefully we can play a few and review them and talk about them on here. See if yeah. they are all they're cracked up to be. I tell you what, I mean, uh, I mean Nintendo's conference was not great, but it was nothing. It was not as bad as compared to the Square and X one where basically it was just like, you know, uh here's Hitman. Um yeah, see you later. Yeah. So it's like, uh, which, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I'm pumped for Hitman as well, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, Square and X, like what else was there to talk about? Yeah. In regards to whatever they were doing. So, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, so uh, E3 was, um, I would say it was, I would say it was an average E3. It gave us what we wanted, and uh, but it, that, that's actually one thing as well. There was no over-the-top announcements, and I'm just thinking to myself, why doesn't Valve just announce Half-Life Three? I mean, yeah. is it, what, what, that would have put E3 over the. That's what everyone would have just been talking. That, that E3 would have been perfect for Valve to say Half-Life 3 is coming out because that's what everyone would be talking about. And mm. it's like, you know, so you know, Half-Life 3 would have been trending for a month on Twitter. It's yeah. like, you know, so uh, I'm really surprised there was no news of that because I was... I, I mean, Gabe Newell, I do, I do believe he is must be doing something because, you know, he's got what? He's got a new console coming out, you know, the Steam Box. And uh, he's got other announcements he's going to be making to the uh, the Steam system. And he's also talking about making movies at the moment. So that's one thing that's currently on his mind. Somewhere down the line, Half-Life, to get things going, to get everyone pumped, he must have that some. It must that he must have that ace up his sleeve. Yeah. Seriously, well, he must. Yeah. So we're still waiting on that, which is uh, annoying. So because uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's got to happen sometime. Yeah, well, there's still plenty of time. Yeah. Mind you, I think one thing he might do is that, uh, I mean, I'm not too sure. I mean, like, he's on Half-Life 1, Episode 1, Episode 2, and then, like, uh, you know, I don't know if there's going to be... I'm not sure if he's just going to basically, like, run off the, uh, you know, the, he's new, he's got the storyline still going for Half-Life 2, Episode 2, so whether he does Half-Life 2, Episode 3, and then just has, like, uh, you know, that can, that storyline conclude, and then he, like, just reboots the entire lot and just goes Half-Life 3, because uh, that's sort of kind of what happens between Half-Life and Half-Life 2. So Half-Life 3, I think, probably wouldn't make sense if he did that. So maybe he's waiting on that. I'm not too sure, but who knows. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. You know, uh, in the 90s, um, I always thought there was... Uh, I never really got to hear much about the behind-the-scenes stuff in regards to, uh, you know, like, what happened uh, with like between actors and things like that. But uh, apparently now there has been a little bit of... Uh, 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 insight given through uh, I think it was on uh, E News, and that is uh, Victoria Justice, who was on, who said there was a so-called feud between uh, Disney Channel and Nickelodeon store stars, and uh, the line that she's currently going with is, uh, "You're kind of in in different circles." And so, uh, I mean, the, you know, the, like there was like Millie Maguire and that's so Raven, and 
Mm-hmm. I mean, there was this. Uh, I mean, there was you know they did like the behind the scenes stuff, like all the specials and things like that, and they made uh, actors seem like you know they get on with themselves and you know they all just have fun and things like that. But apparently, uh, I mean, there have been like talk about you know uh, like rivalries going on between uh, uh, Disney Channel uh, star, you know, girl stars and Nickelodeon girl stars and things like that. Not to the point of like Mean Girls or anything like that, but uh, I mean, there has been talk about that. But um, I mean, I'm just trying to read some of the. Uh, some of the stuff here, because I only just kind of spotted it out of the corner of my eye, and I just thought it'd be something interesting to talk about. Yeah. Uh, she says that she doesn't have any beef with one of them. Uh, you kind of just go in different events sometimes, and I don't know, you're just kind of different circles, I guess. So they're kind of going with different schools and going to different societies, uh, I guess. So that's does explain why Disney stars and Nickelodeon stars aren't often snapped together or hanging out. But Victoria says that uh, it's not like they never hang out or aren't friends or anything. I have friends and stuff who are on Disney too, uh, so it's all good. Uh, we went on to say, um, she went on to say, I hang around with Debbie Ryan and Debbie Ryan's super cool. So, uh, and uh, I can't remember what Debbie, Debbie Ryan's from, but... Uh, I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, from what I talk, you know, obviously I've done interviews with um, Justin Shankaro and uh, um, Annie McAfee and uh, also uh, I've done, you know, we've done Olivia Hack as well. And, uh, you know, you hear very positive things come from, uh, you know, these, uh, you know, these relationships that spark up. And uh, the fact that, uh, you know, they, because, you know, in the 90s, you know, there, there was a massive... Uh, you know, there was a massive ratings war. You know, it was very hardcore trying to, uh, you know, get get the audience because you uh, had this new technology, which was satellite television. And then you had uh, then you had Nickelodeon coming into the mainstream. You had Cartoon Network coming into the mainstream, and then you had the Disney Channel coming into the mainstream a couple of years later. And there was this this um, massive amount of. Uh, of competitiveness that one is to grab hold of all the children and all the uh, that, that audience share between six to eleven, which uh, Craig Butler talked about from Hey Arnold, mm. and uh, so could you imagine things getting pretty spicy? Not just amongst the uh, the producers and the uh, you know, the executives up in the networks, but things were going between the uh, the running down towards the actors as well and actresses. Yeah, I mean that's uh, it. Wouldn't surprise me. I just think it's it's funny. You know, it's kind of you know, uh, <laughs> it's like. Um, What's that one? Uh, West Side Story with the the sharks. The, oh, the, uh, the the sharks and the uh, the oh, what's the other ones? Um, oh, I completely forgot what they're called now. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I can remember the sharks. Uh, let's have a look now. West Side Story. Google uh, is your friend, everybody. Yeah. So, it's always upside down between uh, blue collar in a blue collar neighborhood, urban renewal projects, gang, street gangs, and ethnic backgrounds. Um, there's, uh, let's have a look. So, well, I'm trying to find, oh, this is just the, uh, I think the background, Genesis, synopsis, here we go. Two rival guns, the Jets and the Sharks. There we go. So, yeah. the Jets are the Caucasian ones and the Sharks are the Puerto Ricans. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> just a very long way of getting around to say the fact that it makes me think of that, you know, like the two groups, the Disney and the Nickelodeons. Um, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose if, if that's what's been dripped down from the top, then maybe it would have an effect on them. I just love the idea of, you know, a scene like from, I don't know, the Warriors or something like that, yeah. but with all of these Disney uh, characters on one side and all of the Nickelodeons on the other side just going into war. I mean, that that's a that's an animated sketch right there, yeah. you know. We had uh, we had one that came into uh, light, which was the Family Guy Simpsons uh, fight between uh, Homer and uh, Peter Griffin. But uh, oh, I mean, that was obviously yeah. a made up 
rivalry, so obviously that had no, uh, no bearing on what's going on in real life today. But uh, I don't know really. I, I, I've never heard a story where, you know, and I guess when you're an actor or an actress, I mean, the last thing you want to do is burn bridges. So I mean, if you if you, if you go to if you've been on Nickelodeon and then you go to Disney and then Disney executives find out you had a rivalry going on like a Twitter war or some kind of uh, you know Facebook fallout which was public you know between uh, you and the, the someone who they really like in Disney, the likelihood you're going to get a job at Disney is going to be very slim. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. It's uh, it, it's kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Um, the, the sort of the, the the ties running so deep in that respect, but yeah. I mean, God, you just think is that not kind of going a, a little <laughs> a little bit far in that respect? Yeah, I mean, so uh, I mean, uh, I think the only the only people I know who have uh, you know started like sniping at people and uh, who uh, you know ended up kind of like going crazy are either a not involved in the industry anymore. Or B, um, just uh, you know, have uh, you know, just completely just uh, gone off the rails and uh, have ended up in some kind of like social trouble or whatever, you know, drugs or whatever. But mm. as far as I'm aware, the people who are still active in the industry today, and the people who are voice actors or voice actresses or act in these, you know, uh, you know, for them it's like it's a small little community, even if it is rival uh, pr- production companies, because you know it's all produced out of you know Los Angeles and Hollywood and things like that, and uh, on that side of America, and uh, there's fairly little production now done outside of those things, and even if they are production outside of Hollywood, at the end of the day, they are themselves these little communities of uh, of places, so uh, you know where everyone kind of knows everybody. So I guess in those situations you can't really afford to have like a spat with somebody. In football you can because football is a competitive sport. So you know you're directly um, in competition with the, the the company that you're against. But so you know in regards to uh, uh, you know this type of celebrity culture, they have, they have a uh, some kind of like you know uh, really bitter rival with some someone who maybe in a company that uh, you potentially may want to go to someday. You know in the day it's career suicide. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Okay, uh, shall we quickly... Uh, oh, by the way, shall, shall we just quickly note this up before we uh, do our last bit? Was it? It's International Yogi Day. Right. Uh, and so uh, today, uh, recently, the Indian Prime Minister has been leading a group of 35,000 people in a yoga session. So, uh, and also there's other people who practice yoga. And to be honest with you, there's, uh, you know, yoga, and obviously we laugh, you know, obviously because we don't imagine doing yoga ourselves, but... Uh, uh, you know, yoga has actually been used to uh, do a lot of good in the world. I mean, uh, well, there's a uh, there's a, a wrestler I knew called Diamond Dallas Page who uh, was oh, yeah, in WC. Yeah, and he's now done his own version of yoga called DDP Yoga, and uh, he's uh, and the motto is it's not your mama's yoga. So it's obviously something that's used for uh, you know his people of his size, and obviously for anyone who wants to get into better shape. Yeah, and uh, since then he's actually had a lot of great success stories. Um, it's uh, actually helped uh, people like uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, who uh, fell into a really hard time with drugs and alcohol, and now he seems to have uh, somewhat snapped out of it. And let's face it, there's going to be people who fall off the rails. When you've done something for, you know, three decades, and it's uh, it's a habit that you're going to find very hard to get out of in a certain you know number of months. Mm. So, uh, but apparently it helps a lot of people, and... Uh, uh, and so yoga has been used to do some really great stuff. It's also been used as a stress reliever because some people find themselves stressed at work because you, you know you're in a tight and confined area behind your office desk, and then you can just kind of like release yourself with yoga. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's you know I think I'm too surprised if a lot of people are celebrating International Yoga Day today because it's been quite a liberating experience for a lot of people. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I would certainly get behind it. I'm a, a fan of yoga myself. Um, for me, it helped me to uh, strengthen uh, my core, which then in turn helped me to uh, do more exercise and uh, strengthen the rest of my body. Um, so I, there's definitely benefits to it. I mean, it's not like something like acupuncture or something like that. You know, it's an actual proper thing, and you can see the results. You know, there's there's the proof there to see. Um, and uh, yeah, I can totally totally buy the, the the thing of it's it's benefited a lot of people. You know, because it's good it's good for you. It's not uh, you know. I mean, if it's done properly, of course. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a really good thing for uh, like I say, strengthening core, which then allows you to do more stuff. And uh, it's also good, I find, or I found for myself, for helping to sort of focus the mind. Because it tends to be very simple tasks, um, but that require a lot of sort of concentration. Um, so it's good for, for the body and the mind. Yeah, I know someone somewhere out there is going to say, well, maybe, Aaron, if you did some yoga, maybe you wouldn't Maybe you wouldn't feel like your shoulder blades are fused together when you play golf. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's like all I can say is that uh, I can put my uh, my thumb around the back of my knuckles, so don't give me a lecture about flexibility, mate. <laughs> <laughs> There we go, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> a, a champion of th- thumb war. <laughs> yeah, little uh, thumb war. Um, uh, also, uh, oh, by the way, have you had a chance to uh, check out the uh, uh, video from Arnold Schwarzenegger who uh, played a prank as a wax dummy? And uh, Yes, know. yes, I did see that. I thought it was uh, fantastic. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is one of these guys who, like, you know, some celebs... They they have uh, sort of their good sides and their bad sides, but with with Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, apart from there was the the stuff many years ago about him being you know a bit sort of touchy feely or the fact that he was you know that that might not have been nice for his wife or whatever. I don't know whether it was just well, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 don't know. I heard at I, the time he was running to be governor. Wasn't yeah, he? exactly. And you life. know, this is the problem with American politics. The minute you know, and also on top of that, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger hasn't had the cleanest of uh, of backgrounds. I mean, uh, the there was all sorts of like allegations in regards to like drugs and things like that. You know, uh, back in his uh, younger days, and uh, you know, so there. And also on top of that, I think uh, I think the Democrats knew they were going to lose to Arnold Schwarzenegger and they were going to lose big time. So I think they were basically just trying to dig out any type, and I mean any type of uh, you know b- bad background stories that they could find on him, and obviously anything that they could have stuck in, uh, you know, in their negative campaigning for uh, you know, including you know allegations of uh, you know sexual misconducts. I think uh, anything yeah. could have gone in there, and so and that's the thing about you know I think that's why a lot of people now were uh, you know like uh, you know, you know Hugh Grant and uh, you know people you know politicians who are you know even Bono and you know various other uh, celebrities who speak out a lot about political issues but don't themselves end up, like, running. And I think the reason that behind that is is because they know that the media machines behind their rivals are so uh, so intense that uh, they just don't know that they have some skeletons in the closets or they don't want stories basically made up for them because they know they're not going to have the right to reply because people uh, in some circles just take uh, whatever the uh, other guy says as gospel. Yeah, exactly, yeah, without, without sort of finding the proof behind it. I mean, you look at some exactly. cases of, of people who get accused of um, you know, being indecent with the children. There's no proof of it. But Michael Jackson. If, if, yeah, exactly. And, and he it, didn't even run for, for president or politics no, no, or anything. He, he, he didn't make any kind of political sort of rally. He was just 
the, the musician doing his thing. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure there was probably more to all of that than met the eye anyway. But it's just the fact that as soon as you start throwing things like that around, uh, even if it turns out in court that it gets thrown out and that they're, you know, they're, they're not guilty, um, things like that can stick, you know. And like you say, that might be the case why a lot of these celebrities, because I'm sure... I mean, we've said this before. Celebrities, even bloody politicians, dabble in in uh, you know sordid stuff. Uh, but the difference is, of course, that the politicians have got um, the <laughs> the media on side, perhaps, so to speak. But uh, yeah. you know, uh, but no. But going back to the the Arnold thing, um, I thought it was really really cool what he did. Um, he just seems like, despite the fact that he's got this massive recognizability and this big profile, you know, he seems like the kind of guy who doesn't take himself so seriously to the point where he can go out and do something like that, you know. And uh, fair play to him. It's a really nice thing for people, you know. It just, it, for me, it entertained me. It made me smile and reminded me that he's, uh, he's just a man. Yeah, yeah. And those are the things, he's doing stuff for charity now which is great and uh, I really do applaud him for that but uh, you know what really you know uh, despite what I really despise is uh, some of the uh, kind of the partisan response that he got because let's face it he did run as a conservative governor in um, in California as a Republican and uh, the that is uh, this video also gets the um, the uh, you know like these you know the liberals uh, of uh, who were against him, you're saying like, well, he's doing all this stuff for charity, but all the stuff he should have done as governor when he was cutting, uh, you know, uh, teachers and stuff like that. And it's like, well, he's not the governor anymore, so yeah, you know, exactly, just you know, yeah. why not focus on the here and the now of uh, what's going on in California rather than keep uh, going on about uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? And he does about, well, he's trying to reboot his career and stuff like that. It's like reboot from what? He's yeah. uh, everyone knows him as the Terminator since the eighties. It's like it's like there's um there seems to be this collective of you know of like and this isn't just on the liberal side it's on the it's on every side as well they're kind of like this uh, you know uh, this uh, I don't want to say stupid um, uh, millennial but uh, the the ill-informed millennial I think yeah. is probably the best way to describe it and there is just there is just this annoying. A bunch of like you know twenty year olds, and you know he's, he's pretty um, you know uh, rich of us to say because obviously we're we're of that uh, of that demographic. But there's just people out there who know who don't who aren't retro enough to realize basically what's happened before. And so there's yeah. this uh, you know there's people there saying like oh well you know uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is just trying to basically reboot himself. He's only just trying to uh, you know. Uh, uh, trying to like uh, you know improve his image and stuff like that and everything like that. It's like you know I don't care uh, what happened in uh, between uh, you know being governor of uh, of California and stuff like that. At the end of the day, when it comes to Arnold's image, he's always been known, and I mean always been known as the Terminator because it's one of the most iconic images in cinema, and uh, you know and also an, an iconic independent film. Yeah. Uh, of all, one of his iconic independent films of all time, and people recognize Arnold Schwarzenegger more for that than they will for Governor. Arnold could have been Governor and probably even become President of the yeah. United States, uh, and uh, people would still know him as the Terminator and still make Terminator jokes about him, even when he was in office. Mm. It's just you know so. Uh, 
I just think that some people need to kind of take a step back before they like pick up their pencils and stuff like that. I need to kind of just think a little bit before uh, you know saying it's like you know, it's reboots, reboots. He's just you know it's like remember the bad days when he was the term when he was the 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 governor and not the Terminator or the governator yeah. or whatever they're gonna make fun of him as. I don't know. Nah. Which we always tell on this show, I. Uh, you know, I um, I'm equal opportunities in regards to uh, you know stupid liberals and stupid conservatives. So, uh, don't, you know, when people say like I bat for one side, I think uh, you know please just listen to the entire show. You know, when uh, when before making a, a, a making a comment, like I care anyway. You know, it's like uh, I just do this show because I love to do this show, as yeah. many people know. So, uh, I mean, yeah, it's been a very politically charged, very exciting uh, episode and very long episode of the show. We're about yeah, uh, forty-five minutes yeah. currently going in. So, uh, okay, Harry, I'll let you go at this point and uh, I'll wrap up the show. And uh, yeah, I'll catch you. I'll catch you next week for Jurassic World and uh, also for uh, um, all the times uh, you spent as a, as an actor. So uh, <laughs> fantastic. Okay, right. Well, I will. Uh, I'll see you then. Thanks again cool. for having me. Cheers, Harry. Bye bye. Ta. Okay, guys, this is the Aaron Meta Show on Mixcloud.com forward slash Aaron Meta. Also on uh, iTunes, on Player FM, on Stitcher app. Also, uh, all the uh, podcast distributors that are across distributors. I still can't say that word. It's just uh, distributors. Uh, it's, it's just one that word just alludes me as well, which, uh, yeah. Also, also, I've been saying that uh, I want to do a midweek show. I'm still wondering when I'm going to start doing it. And also, one thing I might do different from the weekend show that we do is that uh, I might actually consider doing it live. So, basically, as you can tell, it's... Uh, anyway, we, we record the show as live anyway. So, anything that you've heard, you know, uh, very little of it is edited. And uh, it's only basically just to take out, you know, obvious mistakes. Of, of the show and uh, but uh, one thing I'm thinking of doing is maybe I might do uh, an hour show I mean I'm familiar with uh, various ways of uh, doing it live and uh, you know we'll do it live and uh, but um, I'm thinking of doing something midweek whether it be on Wednesday maybe on the Tuesday night I'm not too sure what we're doing yet but uh, if I might do something just for a test and uh, I might come up with some idea of what we're going to do but uh, I'll keep you posted on that but uh, I really want to do not just, you know, this show, but obviously I want to do something midweek as well because there are some there are certain things I do want to talk about which uh, uh, I feel like I want to comment on just kind of like solely. Not to say I don't enjoy Harry's uh, uh, company. You know, Harry's great with stuff like this. Just uh, I feel like also I want time to uh, just have moments to myself as well and also moments with you as well to... Uh, too, because right now we just we record this show and also I want to have the experience of doing a live show as well. So... Uh, those are things I kind of want to delve into at the moment. So, anyway, we almost reached two hours with this show. I almost feel like going on to kind of like hit the two-hour mark and uh, just to uh, make it sound like you know we've got a lot of talk about and stuff like that. But I think we'll probably let it go here. And so, thank you very much for checking out the show. Uh, it's been really great, and uh, hopefully we have some uh, Jurassic World stuff to talk about. So when I finally go see it, and also uh, talk about uh, what uh, Harry wanted to talk about as well, uh, but we didn't get a chance to uh, go into. So uh, we know that we're gonna have like an hour spare to. Uh, to go into that. So uh, take care, everybody, and uh, have a good weekend, and also enjoy the rest of your week. Bye-bye.